Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Adelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my uh, podcast, WTF. Uh, we just wrapped the uh, Glow series for Netflix, and it's emotional. It's uh, I don't know how many of you have done theater or big projects with people. or Look, I, I mean... At the end of a shoot, you know, we're there for three months. I'm working with a huge crew, with uh, writers, producers, directors. There was a couple hundred people involved. I don't want to leave anybody out, but all I'm saying, it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing crew. It was a completely collaborative environment and effort. And uh, you're in it, man. I mean, you're just in it. You spend a few months, you know, working on something that is so collaborative and you get attached to the process. You get attached to the people involved. You live in this world of making the show more than the real world. And it's like a very intense experience. And, you know, I I got to be honest, like throughout the shoot, you know, I'm working with 14 women playing wrestlers, mostly that, you know, every day. Another guy, Chris, who played the, uh, the other guy and me. And um, I don't know. It was the first time I ever acted on a TV show in a series where I wasn't playing myself and I had to be, uh, you know, a worker among workers, not some sort of uh, uh, occasional prima donna in charge of anything. I just had to show up for work and it was it was an interesting adjustment, but I did sort of keep to myself. And, and I don't know if that was mis- misunderstood or not. Like throughout the shoot, I was sort of kept a distance from the 14 ladies playing the wrestlers. I mean, I think that was for character reasons. But also, I think, to preserve my energy and my emotional stability and my sanity to a certain degree. I mean, for those of you who listen, you know that my personal boundaries aren't that great. And maintaining them uh, requires uh, occasionally drastic action, like almost shutting down completely so I don't spiral off one way or the other. But throughout the shoot, I kind of minded my own business and just stayed in the work. I mean, I wasn't a dick, but I was kind of... uh, self-involved controlled i was sociable but i i was uh i think i was a little guarded so i wouldn't be too open and uh and i didn't want that to affect the guy i was playing maybe this is all a rationalization of me not wanting to be the only guy sitting in a circle of 14 women uh kind of doing that maybe i was intimidated most definitely i was intimidated but uh but i think i made the right choice because i i did have to 
to stay in it, to stay in this character I'd created, which was a a a, a kind of um, much more emotionally shut down than I was, but not he wasn't unemotional, you know. And uh, it was it was very interesting because like my fo- not really my foil, but my cohort, the woman that I played mostly off of was uh Alison Brie who is a fucking genius actress. I mean this role that she played is is very tricky and nuanced and she did an amazing job. And I did a lot of stuff with her. A lot of uh a lot of scenes and we had sort of a a dynamic and I was and you know I'm I'm sort of a curmudgeonly character in life. Uh, not so much here on the mic necessarily, but I imagine some of you can read that or feel that. But the deal with me is, and I think most of you know it because you listen to the show, is that, yeah, I'm a you know a cranky, neurotic, aggravated person. But it, once you get the hang of me, you know you can see right through to the chewy center, the right through the softy inside to the overly sensitive, <laughs> slightly needy man child that I am. But you know I keep that relatively guarded, I believe. But Allison just fucking had my number from the get-go do you know what i mean she just she could disarm me pretty quickly and uh and i i liked it it made me uh emotional she could access me emotionally pretty easily maybe she's just an amazing actress and 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 she just took me for a ride but i needed to be taken on that ride but the point i'm I'm making is that yeah i'm no you know genius actor you know i i do okay with it and uh but the fact is, is that our relationship is, is is a primary one in the season. So it was good that we had the rapport we had, you know, and it was also good for me being that I'm not a trained actor to have, you know, this genuine connection and with her and to be working with this great actress. And I think it made me perform better. So I'm excited to see how that comes off on screen. Because I would really feel shit. I mean, I would really feel shit. I would just like working with all of them. It was amazing to watch all of them work. You know, I had smaller scenes with most of them. But with her and with uh, Betty Gilpin, I had some pretty, you know, uh, emotional scenes. But all in all, I find myself to be very moved all the time. Like it was just amazing to watch all of them work. I mean, they built this team. They learned how to wrestle. They trained together. They understood each other. Uh, They showed up for each other and they did some pretty amazing, daunting scenes, both physically and emotionally. And when I was there, when I was working, you know, because I didn't, a lot of times I wouldn't be shooting the same day as them. So I don't have any real idea how those scenes, you know, play out. I mean, I read the scripts, but I'm not good at that. I just, I'm excited to see, to see the final product. You know, that's the other weird thing about doing this. When I did my own show, I uh, you know I could I was part of the whole process, so I saw all the cuts all the time. And like now, I got to wait till everyone else sees it along with them. I got to watch it with them. But my point is, is that I found it all very moving. Like I would watch Allison and Betty work. I would watch you know any of the other women work just to watch them wrestle just the athleticism of it and to see them all sort of discover this stuff like a lot of times on set and in scenes i was in like with any like with allison or with betty a lot of times like i would get moved and i'd feel myself getting choked up at their performance but it was a natural emotional response also to what's going on in the scene deep down so 
I found myself stifling emotions a lot of the times because, you know, I had to, but then that is also really what the character would do. So that worked out. <laughs> does that does that make sense? Am I making sense? Anyways, it was an amazing experience. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be an amazing show. And I I'd never been around that many women at once every day ever. So it was a real learning experience for me. I just I can't wait to see it and I can't wait for you guys to see it. Did I mention Annette Benning is on the show today? Um and I was very excited uh, to have her and I was excited to meet her. I met her at the um, Gary Shandling Memorial that Judd Apatow put together and he had sat me, he seated me up front right next to Tom Petty. I talked about that and that was weird because I'm a huge fan of Tom Petty and I just sat there not knowing what to say. And then I turn around, there's Annette Benning and Warren Beatty and Annette's like, oh, hi, I, you know, my daughter loves your show. And, you know, like she knew who I was and I, I tried to keep my shit together and I'd look over at Warren. I'd be like, I can't look at him uh, much longer because I'll just freak out because Warren Beatty, I, I have that element. But nonetheless, I approached her about doing the show and, uh, and now it happened. Uh, she's got this lovely little movie out, 20th Century Women. It's opening uh, in theaters on Christmas. It's a it's a great performance and a very um, fun and enlightening movie. A very unique sort of coming of age movie in a way. I think that's what you would call it. Uh, but I, I liked it. I like a lot of her movies, the ones I've seen, and I enjoy talking to her. So now you can listen to me talk to Annette Ben. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I just got done shooting a thing for three months, and uh, I don't... Now I have, uh, like, crafty fat. Because <laughs> it's so good. It's, and there's nothing, you know, you're just sitting around, oh, and you go wander around and look at the table. Yeah, like, what's there? But wait, who also reached into this thing of pretzels? Oh, yeah. Is that, any, there is that moment. Yeah, no one's using those tongs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I know I don't. I just um, reach in, get fruit. But when you're on set for, for months... I mean, do you have like some sort of discipline? Have you grown yeah, to have no, one? No, you do. You do. It's like it's like being an athlete. You get the thing that that helps you the most to get you through the longest day, and also you're timing your caffeine. That's key. Really? Yeah. Caffeine so, and sugar. 
Um, you don't do sugar. I do some, but mostly caffeine. And so yeah. you want to get that timed right. Yeah. However, the problem is, is that sometimes they aren't able to shoot in the way that they had told you they right. would. <laughs> yeah, so then you're all amped up <laughs> at the wrong moment. Yeah. And then when they're like, okay, Time. now you're <laughs> yeah. in a dip. Right. I, I For me, I, I do a, a chocolate thing. Like where I'm timing it out, nice. so I get sort of jacked. Yeah, and then uh, a lot of times uh, when your coverage is at the end of the day, you spend the entire day waiting for this, <laughs> and then by the end of the day, you're like, "Ugh, tired. I can't think straight." Yeah, although the tired thing can yeah. also be a great thing because yeah. when you're tired, your mind kind of lets go. Yeah, and sometimes surprising things happen when you're just like, "I don't give a shit. I'm too tired to be nervous." Right, or to even care. Do you get nervous? Oh, always. Really? Always. Like. I watched the new movie, 20th Century Women. I watched it, and you were very good. Thank you. I loved it. Did you? Well, it took a, it took me about a half hour yeah. to sort of put it together. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> this is all these people. Right. And then, where, is there a story here? You know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I think that's the way it was supposed to be. Well, it's, um, yeah, he, Mike Mills, who's the mastermind behind the whole thing, yeah. he... Um, when he, the script was very much like that. He likes that kind of storytelling. It's very dense, lots of images. Yeah. He's very visually oriented. Um, well, it's around my time. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm 53. Yeah. So like, I don't know what, uh, what year was it? It's 79. 79. So yeah. yeah, I was in high school. So it was close. Like I knew what was going on. Exactly. And I felt that way when I read it. I'm, yeah. I'm 58. Yeah. So I was 21 at the time. And I, yeah. And I was in San Diego. So uh -huh. that made it even more so for me. That but I, that, yeah, the house, that the dude. House, the guy. Oh, Billy the guy. Billy up. I knew him. Sure. I Who knew didn't? A, I knew. Exactly. Yeah. If I knew you, a number of him. Right. They kind of like made it through the 60s and never kind of locked into whatever thing was changing. And but, they kind of- basically deeply good, mm -hmm. deeply like good guys yeah. who maybe, yeah, maybe you're getting stoned all day, but you're up at dawn to surf. Right. You know, you or got- Or fix a car. Or fix a car. Yeah. Or fix somebody else's car. Right. And maybe have a beer. Yeah. It was sweet. <laughs> like the kid I related to and your, you know, your character I related to. And then, uh, you know, the- uh, What's her name? Gretchen? Is that what is her name? The other Greta one? Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. I dated her. I'm okay. pretty sure. How did it go? Not in real life, but that character. <laughs> yeah, a couple I, of those. Yeah. How did that go? Well, they they always end up discovering something and moving <laughs> on. <laughs> you, you're kind of like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you become she's part of the growth process. She's amazing too in life. She's like writes her own movies, and now she just wrote and directed her own movie. So she's one of these Greta. Yeah, yeah, she's so impressive. I think this is the best thing she did. Me too. You know, and I've seen a lot of her. I agree. Yeah. Interesting, right? There's some actors that you know depart completely from themselves, yes. and then there are others that sort of you know work within themselves somehow. I don't know if that makes sense. Sure, absolutely. And she's sort of like you know uh, it's seemingly helplessly herself, and this thing just sort of like she was able to turn some knobs within and and really become this character more than uh, maybe it's the most defined character she's I've seen her do. Yeah, maybe I, that's it. Yeah, I felt that way too. Although I saw. 
uh, something called Maggie's Plan this yeah, year that I, I really like. Rebecca Miller wrote that and directed it, and I that I also really liked. And, yeah, and, and she was in that, so that was also with Julianne Moore. Yes, I saw Julianne was hilarious. She's funny. She was really good in that. Are you guys friends? We are. Yeah, yeah. I saw her on a plane. Oh, get out! And uh, like, I never assume that anybody really knows me. Like when you like reached out to me when I was sitting in front of you yeah. and Warren at that thing, I'm like, she's not talking to me. Is she? <laughs> How does that? How does Annette Benning know who I am? It was very like it was daunting, and I could, and I kept looking at you because you were warm and, and talking nice things to me, and then my eyes would drift over to Warren, and I'm like, I can't even handle that. I'm gonna stick with Annette because I don't, I don't even know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, at a memorial on top of it. I know, but it was kind of a joyous. It was beautiful. Uh, it was beautiful. Sweet memorial. But what were we talking about? Oh, Julianne Moore. But she's a great actress, right? She's a great actress, and that's one I told her. It's one of my favorite performances in that movie because yeah. there's that moment in the snow when they're out there having this really serious conversation in the snow, mm-hmm. and then she starts to cry. And she says, "Are we going to die out here?" <laughs> <laughs> that I thought was such a great moment. Now she's uh, her and her Sarah Palin movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, that was a great book too, but she was right. um she was there's something she captured in that that was so human. I loved it. Yeah, but you guys worked together on that other amazing movie. Kids are all right. Yeah, and you we were, did. You were lovers. We were lovers. Yeah. We were lesbians. Yeah, you were the top, I think. It was awesome. Were you? Would you say you were the top? Is, <laughs> does that happen in lesbian um, relationships? Uh, well, I think that I don't know. Um yeah, no, I guess I sort of was, although yeah, I guess I was. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was a great movie. Thank you. Yeah. But let's talk about this thing because, like, let's move back from the new movie because it seems to me that, you know, parenting, you know, bringing, I don't know how you grew up, but I know, you know, from what I've read or from, you know, how you act, that (laughs) the evolution of you as a woman has a lot to do with, you know, parenting. Yeah. And that, that weird kind of tolerance and acceptance and like that character in 20th century woman women was you know tolerant and accepting but stubborn yes and uh you know kind of i think she was probably more stubborn than tolerant sometimes Mm -hmm. right right and i like that about her i like that in the writing so i didn't kind of over determine it or over plan it in fact i tried to do the exact opposite in terms of how it all kind of added up Mm -hmm. because i wanted to do that i felt it was in the writing and also just as a process it's more interesting Mm -hmm. and i felt mike could guide me if there was a certain thing that needed to happen more in a scene he would kind of nudge me in that direction or if there was something very much so yeah Yeah. so yeah so i like that she's just a human she's not the best mom or the worst mom she's just a mom but does not at any cost want to deny her kid anything right because none of us do but of course we have to yeah (laughs) and it's horrible (laughs) there's that one scene where you're like it's gone too far yeah it's a bad idea the the the, uh when you ask them uh, them to parent him yes yeah yeah that's right it's like never mind it didn't work out the way i thought so (laughs) yeah the whole feminism thing it's too much for him right when you do like a a role like this and that you're smoking those fucking cigarettes Mm -hmm. 
The, the fake ones? They're fake. The herbal ones. I had to smoke those. Didn't they fuck up your lungs? They're horrible. Actually, they're much better now. The last time I had to do a heavy smoking movie, no, not the last time, but the time before, 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 they didn't have as good of fake ones. And I ended up actually choosing to smoke very, Real? very light cigarettes because they bothered me less and were less like hard really? on the throat. Um, once you get into the idea of inhaling smoke i mean i used to smoke i yeah. like to smoke but i don't anymore. i love it okay i know it's I don't the smoke best anymore but I you know, know when you have the fake ones how quick it comes back like all of it like the 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 the, 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 the stuff the props yeah. yep, the yep, light the yep. matches yep. the thing the ashtray yeah tapping it the whole thing uh yeah so these are better they're um i learned about them last summer they're english they're chamomile mm. and they still taste terrible yeah they give you a slight headache but they don't burn and like huh. rip up your throat so i suppose if you were trying to quit smoking and you wanted to smoke something occasionally yeah. it might even help you not want to smoke because they don't taste good yeah but you have the action yeah i'm still hooked i have the nicotine lozenges and i you know i'm hooked on nicotine hopelessly but i don't never want to smoke right because like when, when i smoked for this role it, it's just so second nature yeah. I mean, I smoked since I was 14 exactly. for like 20 years. Right. And it was always part of me. And it's it's weird when you see a box of cigarettes. You're like, that mm -hmm. used to be every day. My mm -hmm. whole life was sort of like, when am I going to wake mm -hmm. up and have one of those? Mm -hmm. I got to buy one of those? Oh, yeah. Those. And it goes with all the various actions. Yes. Have a cup of coffee. Have a cigarette. Oh, it's the best. Glass of wine. Have a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Nah, have yeah, a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, After yeah. this, have a cigarette. Yeah. Before that, have a cigarette. How long have you been off them? Oh, a long time. Since I, you know or 30s since I was like probably 30 something. Yeah, yeah. So like in in terms of like this character and, and that kind of parenting, like what was your, how were you brought up? My parents are still alive. My dad is 90, my mom is 87. They've been married 66 years and they live in the same house I grew up in since I was 10. And really? when I go and visit, I sleep in my bedroom. Stop like it. from when I was a little kid, yeah. Okay, so they were... Uh, from Iowa, so very grounded, down-to-earth, loving, super, uh, you know, just... But, you know, they didn't do the over-parenting yeah. thing like we all do now. They they were they were wonderful. They are wonderful people, and they were great parents. Iowa. They were from Iowa. They, had, they met and got married. They were both... My dad was from the big town of Waterloo. My mother was from the little town of <laughs> LaPorte City, got married after the war, had kids, two there, two in Kansas. I was born in Kansas, and then we moved to San Diego. And four kids. Four kids. I'm the youngest. And you knew your grandparents in Iowa? I did. I mean, I, um, they, yes. I mean, I knew my grandparents. My mom's dad lived to be 100. That's good genes. Get out. Yeah, look at you. 1980, 1980. Wow. He was, he was staying with us when, the, when we landed on the moon, and we watched it with him. Which was incredible, because when you think about it, when he was born, there were no planes. Right. Just like cars were new, in a way. Yeah. So anyway, he was, and he was, a, he was an interesting guy and a good guy, and he was from this little town in Iowa. So yeah, they were very, you know, they were very, they were, they're conservative, they're Republicans, Episcopalian, you mm -hmm. know, we went to church. Yeah. Um, but that's not a heavy one, right? Episcopalian sort of got a little wiggle room. To yeah, there's a, a little human. wiggle room there. They're, they're, you know the rules, but right. you, you don't discuss them. Oh. 
and uh, it's like it's like sex and politics. You knew the rules, but they weren't discussed. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, so they were kind of like right, just like they're not that political. They right. would never get into a political conversation with you unless you said, "Hey, yeah, you know who who do you like this year?" And then they'll tell you. Oh, uh, they will. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, I still do. And what'd they say? Like, uh, not this time around, but last time around, I remember asking my mom, so mom, who do you like? She's like, who's that woman? I really like her. I said, um, Sarah Palin. She said, no, no, um, Michelle Bachman. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Good to check in on that. Yeah. No, they're, they're amazing people. They're, yeah. they're they are truly admirable people. what they do? My dad uh, was in the insurance business, and he was a salesman. And he was a salesman first before he even... In fact, last summer or the summer before, they took a bus trip through Iowa. They decided to do that with a group of people. And we went to all these towns. And my dad went to the town in which he was first a salesman. He was a... No, no, no. Life insurance, sorry, dad. Life insurance, door to door. Really? And I think that the premiums were like five bucks a month. No kidding. And he started anyway. So he sold life insurance. Then he became a manager. So he was recruiting other guys, and uh, managing them in their selling yeah. work. And then he also taught selling. Really? So he's just a classic American salesman. Exactly. And my grandfather was also he was a traveling salesman uh, in in Iowa. Yeah. So his dad was a salesman. He was a pharmaceutical salesman. So he would load up his car and then drive to, from town to town. Yeah. So I wonder it was, what the pharmaceuticals were then. Probably fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Homemade. Yeah. Small companies. Uh, you know, those were the days when they mm-hmm. didn't have the stores everywhere. I right. Mean, it's like... Um, so he just like pharmaceuticals, I, like uh, I'm assuming, I don't even know what that would be. Medicines you, that people, you know, that they had. You could buy over the counter. And that people needed. Right. Like, ph- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Not, all kinds of illnesses and right, ailments. Right. And, right back when like uh, Coca-Cola had cocaine in it, yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, diet pills. Yeah, yeah, Bennies. Yeah, (laughs) Dexedrine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Help those ladies out. Here you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> so so you just grew up in like real Americana in a way, huh? Well, so then they moved to San Diego. So we had a couple, you know, we, um, the, fir- we the first house we had in San Diego, my, I remember my dad said, okay, we can have a three bedroom. Wait, was it? What was it? A- so that's we where they have- still live? Yeah, they live in San Diego. We lived on Defiance Way in a pink uh, um, two-story house with a pool in the back. That had three bedrooms. And then we moved... We moved a couple of times, but they moved into this home that my father bought. He was very proud of the fact that he had a bedroom for each of us because he really hated sharing a bedroom when he was a kid. Yeah. So it was awesome. So that really was a great goal of his. So that's the house that they're still in, which is... You know, yeah. a really in a really nice kind of suburban neighborhood. So, your is your room still like? Is your stuff still? No, in it? thank God. Oh my God! No, they <laughs> redid it. I don't, quite a while ago. So it's the guest room. It's one of the guest rooms. Oh, okay, good. So you don't have to kind of no. go back and. Well, I don't know if that would be bad. Did you ever see what was that Albert Brooks movie Mother, where oh, he yeah. goes back home? And Debbie Reynolds is his mother, and he takes all his stuff <laughs> out of the garage and out of boxes and puts all the posters back up. 
<laughs> and just sits in his room <laughs> listening it's to his records. It's interesting, though, how those those memories, records really do it, right? Those If you play a certain song or if you see a certain kind of fabric yeah. or my mom had gotten a, uh, she went around when we moved into this house and bought these awesome secondhand sort of bedroom sets. And I had a bird's eye maple bedroom set that she had bought for me. So if I see that, if I see bird's eye maple, like a vanity or a headboard. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go right back. Go right back. So you're the... Second to the last, you're the. I'm the last. You're the youngest. I'm the youngest, and everyone's still around. Everyone's still around. Well, you guys are going to be I around forever. I just talked forever. to my brother on the way here. You did? Yeah. You're all close. We are. That that's nice. Yeah. You must have been had good parents. Is yeah, the- they're they're amazing, and you know they're at a stage of life where there's so much loss, and there's so many people that they were so close to that are going or have gone, and they're very accepting of that in a way that I really I find quite remarkable. I mean, they really. Yeah, they, they um, and they have each other, which is a you know, yeah, like, wow, it's crazy, crazy, right? Yeah, the whole sort of mortality thing. Yeah, I, I guess if your faith is deep, uh, you know, you can manage it better. This is what I'm observing, at least. This is what I've read. <laughs> this is what they tell us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either you got it or you don't. I guess you can get it. But, uh, and I guess you're going to have to manage it on some level if you want to have any grace around the subject. Exactly, which they seem to do and they practice, but they never discuss it. Like they're the kind of people, they never discuss religion. Mm-mm. You know, they would never ever mm-hmm. posit themselves that way. Right. But they live it. Like yeah. they do it with their friends. They all take care of each other. And uh, yeah, it's quite quite beautiful. Were they involved with the church? Yeah, they still are. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's lots to do, and they're, and of course, at this point, they're, uh, uh, you know, every often they're getting calls about funerals. My mother has also always been a singer. She's a beautiful singer. She was a voice major in college. She sang uh, in the choirs in ch- at church. I was in the choir. My sister was in the choir. But my mom also was a paid soloist at the Christian Science Church because uh-huh. in Christian Science, yeah. they hire somebody to come in and sing every Sunday. It's not why why is it not so allowed? So she's not a Christian right. Science. Um, yeah, why do they do that? I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know if they have that. If that's part of their, I don't know how Christian Science churches work. I don't know if they're singing. I know there's no medicine. But I don't, right, there's I don't, no I don't, medicine. But they, so they bring someone in and they say, "Would you please sing these songs, and we'll pay you this amount?" And that's what my mom did. Huh. So yeah. I wonder if it's part of their religion not to have in-house singers. Yeah, that's a good. I will no, have to no get in-house on that. entertainers because I know I think what is it? There are certain religions like Jehovah's Witnesses they can't dance or do holidays and things. Yeah, there's some strict rules there. I've heard about. And that. Shut down all those joy things. Yeah, no, they don't want to lead have <laughs> no. anything leading to sex. That's I think right. Is the point? No temptation to having fun. Right. So when did you start? Um, well, what do you, what are all your siblings do? Did they end up in businesses that make sense or? Yeah, my brother that I was just talking to is an electrician. My other brother is. Does an he fix attorney. your house? He he's the kind of guy if he comes vi- comes to visit and you say, "Hey, I've got this thing. Can you do it?" He's the guy. He's handy. He's like the guy in the movie. He's like the guy in the movie. Exactly. He's the fix it guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he is very good at all that stuff and very sensible. Um, my other brother is an attorney and he lives in San Jose, and my sister is a doctor. 
Really? What kind mm-hmm. of doctor? OBGYN. Wow. Only she just she doesn't do babies anymore. She just does ladies. Really? Mm-hmm. She got out of the baby racket. She got out of the baby business. It's a it's a very demanding business. I You're bet. Up like all the time and night and panicky women. Where's my doctor? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when did you decide that you were gonna like do this to act? I don't How know. I mean, I was in high, junior high when I saw first started seeing plays, and then when I was in high school, I had a really wonderful high school drama teacher, which was terrific. That helped a lot. And that then changes I, people. Yeah, it's incredible the power of that experience. I've and, talked to a few actors where it's like the tools that they learned then are the ones that they use still. Yeah. Uh, right. So. I had, I, I've sort of stayed in touch with her over the years as well. So she was a very big influence. She was also an actress, and she was a single mom, and she's a really interesting person. So that helped a lot. And then I kind of was also lucky. I was working. I had various jobs. And then I decided, I graduated early from high school kind of by accident. Just I, I had a lot of credits, and they said, hey, you can go early if you want. So then I worked, and then I went to community college. Yeah. And there happened to be this really these two guys who ran this drama department who were just incredible people and totally loved making their theater. Yeah. And so then I got involved in that and then I sort of stumbled my way into that and I was doing plays. Then went to you know San, San Francisco State, got a theater degree, and then I went to conservatory after that. So I just sort of plotted my way along. Theater. Almost yeah. like all theater. All theater. And you got it. So there's that whole element of theater when you really come up in that and you don't just come out and you know take an audition class right where (laughs) (laughs) thank god that would be too scary it's it's so i think it's very common no it is it is common because like i like i've talked to actors when i started doing the show talk to actors and some actors can talk about how they do it yeah but some actors like there's an element of acting that is just a natural thing it just, mm-hmm. it just, I, I think it is. Yes. Because like I've noticed it for myself, like, you know, either you fit on screen or you don't. Yes. And, you know, some people fit on the big screen. Some people fit on the little screen. Some people fit both. And some people just have a natural way about them. Because if you, I mean, the only thing about it seems that with acting that if you're able not to be self-conscious. That's right. And connect to what's happening in the scene, even though you're surrounded by people doing other yes, jobs, yes. then you, you can do that. There's no way to learn that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I it mean, is like, that, it, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, it's just me and you. That's right. And you don't, you're not like, uh, what's, you, yeah. and either you can do that or you can, I think. I don't know if there's a way to necessarily learn that. I think that if you don't, that self-consciousness, because I've noticed that about comics and you've worked with a couple of great comics and some are better than others, but every time I've seen a comic that I know have the experience of having his own show, it's going to take him a little while to get past that. But they usually do, yeah. you know, because we're naturally self-conscious. So, yes. it, But then it kind of gets better. Yeah, people are naturally self-conscious. And so is that what you're saying is so, uh, that's very eloquent. Also, just the, the, anybody, it's a human response. You put a camera in front of your face. Yeah. Are you going to behave in the same way as if the camera was not there? Right. It's very hard not to have a human response to that, which is self-conscious, as sure. you say. So finding a way to free yourself of that. Is, yeah, I, yeah. Like, and like, I don't know what, but with theater, when you come up doing, 
you know, stage where everything's immediate. There aren't, there isn't those distractions. It's just you and what's going on on stage and the audience. You know, all the other stuff is done. Exactly. By the time you Everybody get up there. Everybody else goes away. But there's something to be learned from that. I, I would imagine about, you know, being in the moment. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like, because like stage actors, that's the most exciting thing in the world. It is exciting and it can always change and it takes great, discipline in a, in a specific kind of way. And also having the people right there. Uh, when I think about the last time I did a play, I think about listening to people respond. I also wore one contact lens, so I couldn't really see them, but I knew I could see it well enough to where I could see, but I wasn't being able to actually see them. And then you can also hear when people are sleeping, yeah, which yeah. is a very important part of it because humility is such an important part of acting, staying humble. And that really teaches you to be humble when you hear that, that yeah. deep, yeah. deep sleep. Yeah. And, or you can also, I've been in plays where you could see them because yeah. they're in the front row right. and they're like literally sprawled. Yeah. I, I've seen that where it wasn't just like somebody kind of quietly nodding off, but yeah. l- like a guy with his back to the seat, his head hanging back, like way asleep. It, it was so funny. And of course, I'm thinking, and everybody else can see the guy too, because yeah. it was a thrust theater right. anyway. Yeah. yeah, that teaches you a lot. But it's wonderful to hear the chuckle and to hear the, I mean, I'm sure you know as a comic, that feeling of hearing someone respond right then or hearing them yeah. get it. It's like very exciting. Well, it's a, it's a one mind kind of thing. It's a one mind thing. You're right. You know, where, you know, you're just, it, it's, or, it becomes this organic thing. This you can feel it all becoming one. The audience, amazing. I yeah. just saw a production of Othello in New York, and uh, it's there are very, some very famous actors in it: David Daniel Craig and David Ayelowo, and there's other people too. But I, it was so involving. It's in a small theater. You're really surrounding them. The the the, the play is taking place. You're really close to them. Yeah, and it was very moving. Oh yeah, and I just thought this is. This is an incredible experience. Here I am. This is all imaginative. This is a play that was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And here I am completely, you know, sobbing. Well, that's it. The humanity of it. Ah, incredible. You're you're pretty good with Shakespeare. You can follow it. I love Shakespeare, but I have to study it like everybody. But that's the first thing I saw was a Shakespeare play. So, yeah, that's the fun of it is because it's so intellectually challenging. So you're, you're. You're striving, you know. It's it's great literature in of in and of itself. Yeah. So just aside from the dramatic part of it, the the acting out part of it, just the reading, the studying, the absorbing it. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, and the the cool thing about theater is that if you got good enough seats, you can see people spit. You're you know, gonna... I remember that. I remember when I fr- when I first went to a play, I was yeah. really struck by that. Yeah. Like, oh my god, that guy's spitting. Yeah. And I and and the vehemence yeah. and the like involvement. I I liked it. I liked that like kind of larger than life thing. Well, I think that's that's what makes it so amazing, and that's why it's like so tricky with with other art forms, with film and and and, and television. Is that you can't there, that the, the the essence of theater is a community experience. Like that's sort of what it's about. It's a human experience that we're all experiencing in the moment. And We're in the can, same room. You can feel the breath and everything. Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I can't really explain it, but it's very unique and I don't really do it enough. And I've, I've talked about that before, but like when I go to plays, if they're good, I'm always like, oh my God. Or musicals where everybody's like dancing. 
Like, you know, and it'd be interesting for you because you could actually make that plan. Like if you thought about it, you thought, yeah. oh, yeah, I'd like to do a play. Yeah. You know, think about it and read around, ask people, hey, what might be? You could do it. You could set that side, that time aside and do it. And make that would a play. Be, yeah. Or It'd write interesting. one. Or, uh, you know, that that would be, it's, it's such a different experience. Well, it's one of those things, though, with me where I think about doing that. I'm like, who's going to come? And then I got to worry about that. No, you like, don't have to worry about it because what you do is you call up one of the local nonprofit theaters and you say, "Hey, you know who I am? I'm Mark." And yeah. I, you know, you uh, you might even have listened to me. Yeah, well, yeah. I'd have this play, and yeah. maybe we could do Let's it. Let's try and, it. Let's work it out. And they have a subscription audience, so then you just go. Have you seen new plays? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some new plays lately. They're pretty good. Like I saw Annie Baker's play. Oh, sorry, which one? Both of them. Nice. What John and is it called John? One of them, and then the other one's the the, the flick. About the, the flick. I saw yeah. both of those. I saw Stephen Karam's play, The Humans. Oh yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, it's it's a little like um, there. It, it's interesting because like when I was in high school, you know, Sam Shepard was the thing. Yeah. And then like then you go through like these like later you get Tracy Letts's plays, mm. and now like it seems like uh, the menace of the family is is sort of. Um, it, it's a little more palatable. <laughs> right, that <laughs> like, is. Like Karam's play, it's like, I know these people. It's it's not horrendous. It is a pretty, not bleak, but there there is a dark ending to it. But it's not like, oh my God, I'm leveled. You know, like I can't even function. No, it isn't like that. Yeah. Because they're all too kind of lovable and interesting. Right. And, and all the acting is so good. You know, you're right. He adapted a... Um, the seagull, the play, the Chekhov play, Karen into did? a yeah, into a film that we made. So that's how I knew him because he adapted that play, that Chekhov play, into this screenplay that is, we made. Is it coming out? Yeah, it'll come out next year. Really? I think. Yeah. So he's. I think he's he might have mentioned that. He's really an interesting person, very very intelligent, and I, I and I love how the producers also supported that play. That yeah. was was well, it Rudin? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and others, yeah. And they said, you know, we really believe in this, and we believe in these actors. And they, because I talked to the guy Reed Bernie, one of the actors in it, and he told me the story. I have worked with him; he's like around my age, and and he said he couldn't believe it. Like they were doing it off Broadway, and they came in and said, "We're going to Broadway," and it was like one of those moments you can't believe it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. And then they did, and yeah. then they were this huge hit, and they were. Yeah, they played forever. Yeah, I saw it uh, right before I think it went to the bigger house yeah exactly and he's the guy that's been in new york doing the stuff forever ever yeah, and yeah. really i mean he's a very respected esteemed actor and this for him was like wow so how do you approach Chekhov? wow Again. i mean like i don't even know his shit I <laughs> yeah mean, i know of him and i'd like to know him but i i and i, I don't know what he's known for or why he's great yeah well he you know he was a doctor he's another one of those writers that started as a doctor yeah. so he's turn of the century russia he's a doctor he needs extra money he's and he's writing short stories right and he becomes a very very famous short story writer like Super well known. I don't know who to compare him to, but a very, very well known, respected, famous Russian short, short story. story writer. Yeah, and the the stories are great. That's a great way to start with him. You just get one of his short story yeah. books, and they're they're short. Did you do that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Then he started writing plays. Yeah. He got it like he got he got the theater bug. Right. And I I he also was madly in love with the theater actors from the Moscow Art Theater. That, yeah. So that'll drive you sometimes. There you go. <laughs> So then he started writing plays, and in fact, um, 
you know, he wrote a number that he, he died quite young of tuberculosis, as people did then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so those plays, what's great is this kind of, they, they're very funny and very melancholy at the same time. And they're beautiful and super challenging, and it's hard to get that magical uh, balance right. But when you see some one of them that they get that right, there's something so human about it. Yeah. And there's, they're filled with these very, very human moments, and something can be really ridiculous and absurdly funny, and then the next moment something very tragic can happen. And getting all of that right is is a big challenge. That's why people keep doing the plays, and they're full of interesting characters. And have you seen a cut of the movie? I have. I love it. Yeah, it's like a little jewel, and yeah. that is so incredibly hard. I mean, because it's a period film, obviously. And but we had a great. The heart of the movie was the costume designer Anne Roth, who's now like eighty something who is a genius and she's been doing costumes forever and ever and ever. And we got her to do this. We, they got her to do this movie. I guess it was sort of we. Yeah. And so her inspiration, it was, was like food for everyone there. And she, and also our uh, production designer, everybody kind of put it together. So it looks good. Yeah. But it's done for very little money and we did it so fast that, you know, check off, and Stanislavski are both rolling in their graves. It's like, wait, you're supposed to rehearse for six months. And we rehearsed like not much at all because yeah. we didn't have time. But we just did it. And it was a joy. All right. So when did you, when, how did you move from theater to film? How does that happen? Uh, I, I eventually, I was doing regional theater. Where? Here? I, no, uh, I did. I, so I was in San Francisco and the, conservatory that i went to also had a repertory company attached to it it's yeah. called the american conservatory theater right. so act is the nonprofit, the biggest nonprofit in in san francisco so then i got to be in a repertory company which was really my dream and to do classics and that stuff and then i did a year at the denver center theater company and then I, so then i was in my late 20s and i decided i really wanted to give it a shot movies. i just uh, yeah or yeah movies tv yeah. i don't know kind of what came my way but I went to so I went to New York because I figured maybe I could get involved by doing plays and then doing stuff. Right. As a result of doing. Did plays. you have an agent? I did. Yeah. And then, so what happened? So I started auditioning, and I got in an, New York. I, in New York, and I and I uh, one of my I actually I had taught acting one summer at ACT, and one of my students who was my friend became my friend. Yeah. Allowed me to stay in her apartment with her. She shared her apartment, so I was able to live with her in her... She had a a pretty big apartment that her parents helped her buy, and she uh, let me live in her closet. So I was in the closet. (laughs) Um, And then I got an off-Broadway play called uh, Coastal Disturbances, which... Go, went then moved to Broadway. Yeah. So I, I I was very lucky. I got a play pretty soon after I got there, and then I had that job. We did the play for over a year. Yeah, and then you. So got then I started auditioning for ed- anything I could. Right. Anything I could. The casting get. directors knew you. They or, or they could come and see me. Right. Which is the great thing about going to New York yeah. is that you can be seen in something, so you're not just walking in trying to right. show people Who what are you, you do. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a, a great thing about comedy, too, is like you can always go, exactly. I, I can do 10 minutes. Where do you right. want me to do it? Yeah. Come down. <laughs> so, uh, and then your first role was which movie? Um, the Great Outdoors hmm. with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
That was like so that you're that's what you get cast in on set with those two lunatics. Uh, like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. And we shot at Lake Bass Lake, it's called, which is sort of on the way to Yosemite. Uh huh. So we're living around this lake. Yeah. In these cabins. And we have to drive around the lake early in the morning to get ready. And I remember we would have to get up, you know, like at 4.30 and get in the van. And I remember thinking, this is the greatest thing. Mm. Oh, you've got like tired John Candy in the van. Oh, he was like lovely, definitely had a... You know, a ve- he was a very complicated guy. And yeah. Had, had a very dark side, but lovely, generous. Same with Dan. Like yeah. the mo- really wonderful people. Yeah. In fact, I just saw Dan- Dan's daughter introduced herself to me somewhere where I was recently. She was so sweet. She's oh, yeah? Like, I'm Dan's daughter. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. He's very, very, you know, eccentric, wonderful. And it's a John Hughes movie. Um. Did he write that? I, I think can't so, even yeah. remember. He didn't direct it. Howie Deutsch directed right. it. But yeah. So yeah. I was Dan's rich, not very nice wife. Right. Yeah. Did you have, was it, I can't I never, I don't think I saw the movie. Was it a, a big part? Was it a good part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great. Are you kidding? I was like, I couldn't believe it. I got the job. You work, yeah. And you work, you've, in your career, you've worked with some great comics. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Like I remember that Channeling movie that where you know he's is he an alien? He is. Yeah. Yeah. It's called What Planet Are You From? Which is what I say to him at one point. We have a relationship, and he's so odd that I say to him, "What planet are you from?" Yeah. And Gary was a friend. We had Warren and I had met him when we were doing another film that he uh, that that he was then in Love Affair, uh-huh. and he became our buddy. And then he was developing that, and he wrote, and we would do readings. We would all sit together, and we would ask a few people in, and together we would all sit and read it. Uh, I love, I loved Gary. He yeah. was a wonderful guy. And then, you know, sort of by surprise, Mike Nichols got interested in it and wanted to direct it, which is sort of this, what, out of left field. I had no, I knew him and I'd worked with sure. him. But anyway. You knew Mike Nichols? Yeah, I think at that point, I, yeah, I had already, I did a film with him um, before. Which few, one? It's called Regarding Henry mm. with Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I had known him, and of course, he's everyone's hero, so that when he was like, I want to do this, Gary was, what? Wow, okay. So then it became a Mike Nichols movie. What Now, what like as a director, somebody like Mike Nichols, who is this like, you know, like respected, famous, interesting guy, both in theater and film... What do you learn from a guy like that? I mean, because yeah. like I, I know that from my small experience in working with certain directors, I mean, you can really glean something of their process and, and it helps you forever. Did, where, did you have experiences like that? I did. I remember when we first started working on Regarding Henry, I got to the set or we were rehearsed. We did rehearse some. Uh, so we were rehearsing, and I remember thinking, I am so nervous. Harrison Ford and Mike Nichols, they're yeah. the veterans. They're the guys that know everything. I'm the beginner. I'm At that point, I'm like 30, about 30, but I hadn't done very many movies, so I always felt very much like a stage actress kind of pretending to be a movie actress. I hadn't yet really felt totally at home in it. And uh, I remember they were both talking about how nervous they were, and I was to shocked. To work with him? They were just nervous because they were they are good yeah. and they're like what are, you know they're people that I mean I've observed that 
to people that tend to be good at what they do in that in show business, there's always a sense of nervousness about yeah. it. So that was a great lesson. It always stuck in my head. I thought, wait, you're Mike Nichols. You're nervous. Okay. Yeah. That's the lesson right there. Right. Maybe it's okay to be nervous. Maybe sure. that, Maybe there's something important about that that you, you don't try to get rid of. You try to understand. You try to tolerate. You try to use it. But you don't say, okay, my goal is not to be nervous when I work. No, you just like forget that. It's right. Never. You don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about that. You will be. And that's okay. You just learn to tolerate it. Well, it seems like a, a symptom of uh, vulnerability. And if yeah. you want to maintain the vulnerability and not just be this kind of swaggering idiot. That's right. You know, it, you're going to be nervous. It's human. It's yeah. a human response sure. to, this, to the situation. So, yeah. So Mike was great. And Mike was a great audience. He always loved actors. He was somebody who would be laughing and responding always. He understood. He, he understood how to make you feel sufficient um and uh he he was he was quite hard on Gary in a way that we discussed later and he sort of uh, Mike and I discussed later and he was quite um philosophical about that and we were able to really talk about it but he was pretty tough on Gary in a way that was hard at the time and my heart kind of ached about that and because I love Gary so much and Gary was very receptive and didn't ever you know, I remember them having a conversation about my character, that one I did. And Gary was a little bit like, because uh, we had worked on it, right? Yeah. We'd done these readings. So there was this thing I was doing. And I don't know whether it was any good or not, but Mike was like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Mike says that to me. I'm like, okay. But Gary's like, well, hey, can I just, I kind of like it when she did that yeah. thing that she's doing because we had worked on this before. So they were discussing it. And anyway, it ended up being a big learning uh, sure. process for everyone. Um, and uh, Anne Roth did that movie as well. But Gary was, uh, he was very, you know, he, he, he was a very, uh, as you know, unusual, special, warm, you know, and he had this serious uh, Buddhist practice, which yeah. he was very quiet about. Like, he never talked to me about that. Yeah. And um, and so funny. I know it's such an uniquely funny. I mean, we we all knew that you know he was a monk in some way. Yeah, but not exactly like like a real monk. Because because <laughs> the real monks they don't like talk about it. Right. Right. So he was a real guy. He yeah. was a real monk. Yeah, I liked him. He and was great. Deeply. He also he was also when I did Saturday Night Live once, and I I was so excited to do it. I love comedy i love improv i thought ah this is going to be great i went and they were all very serious of course because that's what c comedians do and that's but i was naive enough to think this is going to be fun <laughs> <laughs> and they were all so serious and then they were like asking me to do certain things and i thought oh my god i like the in the opening uh, monologue thing so i called gary and I hadn't talked to him in years. And, you know, he always had a funny phone message, like, leave a message. He calls me, like, right away. Yeah. I mean, and he was such a mensch. And he was so lovely to me. And he completely made me feel sane, explained, okay, this is what it's like. That's why it's tough. And, you know, really helped me. And I always remember that moment. You with know, comedy, with doing, like, well, approaching with, it? And, and also, he had some ideas and... uh but I don't know there was something just therapeutic right. about being able to call someone yeah, and say, yeah, yeah. this is what's happening. He's like, no, I totally get it. This is what you can expect. And, yeah. 
And also because I hadn't spoken to him. You know how it is right. when you call someone and you haven't talked to them in a while. Right. Yeah. And you're and, in, and, you're and he in just like was crisis. right there. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. right there. And yeah. I was so unused to feeling what I was feeling because generally I'm, I, I, you know, I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. And even if I'm nervous, I, I have a certain like, ah, I got this. Yeah. I, I didn't feel that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he was, he was awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's a bad feeling in a way. Ooh. <laughs> It was, and it was an unfamiliar feeling because it was. It wasn't just, oh, I'm nervous here. It was like, okay, I'm really scared. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Who was the cast then? Um, or who were the people there? Kristen Wiig was yeah. there, and oh, she was just starting. And yeah. oh my god, she's great. Oh my god, I am such a fan. Yeah. I ended up. We did a movie together, and I played her mom. But she is. I think she's kind of a genius. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was a kick. Yeah, she's like a savant. Like yeah, she, had, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you talk to her and she's just sort of like, hey, what's going on? Oh, but she then told me you... hilarious stories about starting out in Hollywood. And she was like an extra in a movie called Tumbleweeds. And she said she was so far in the back. Yeah. And it was a beach scene. And yeah. she's supposed to, but she got stung by a bee and she had to leave and no one even noticed. <laughs> And she worked in the executive dining room at Universal as a waitress. And later, when she did Bridesmaids, she drove onto the lot to work and she said, tears were streaming oh, down my face she didn't tell me that story she's awesome yeah no she i'm i'm really crazy about her and that you did that the guilty by suspicion well you did the grifters but guilty by suspicion i think is an underappreciated movie thank you don't you yeah i mean it's the blacklist and it's I heavy think, man oh my god and you i know, think it's Robert, one of the better blacklist movies yeah and i think that story is still needs to be told yeah. again we were talking i was talking about the other day because i feel like uh, my kids' generation, they haven't really absorbed what happened. And maybe now particularly, yeah, it's, be good a, to it's, know. A, it's a pressing subject. Uh, so yeah, I, and I learned so much about that experience working on that film. It was great. It was, And De Niro was in it, so that was an amazing- Isn't that the one where he's like, shame on you? Yes. You know, like, yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, George Went, is that Yes, his, yeah, that's he was, right. And he, you know, buckled- like I remember it all because of the emotions of it to really sort of get a sense of of the of of how horrifying that was and how it could happen, you know, was really uh, absolutely insidious. And it is true now that the the same type of you know red baiting tactics exactly. are sort of now back. That's right. And to what and to study that period, you're studying people's ethical dilemmas and how they handled them in a way that I when I look at that, I think, oh, yeah, I can't judge anyone, but I can study it and I can see and I can imagine now what would I have done mm -hmm. and the cost to people, the cost to people and their careers and their work was so massive. And one of the great actors who actually was in the movie and also was blacklisted was a guy named Sam Wanamaker. He ended up going to England and working, and he was the one that got the Globe Theater started. So what happened was there was the famous old, the, the Globe Theater had not been renovated or had not been basically built. It had mm. burned down, you know, centuries ago. Yeah. So he got it going. So now they have this ongoing theater and a company in it. <clears throat> but it was really because of Sam. Yeah. And his daughter is a great actress named Zoe Wanamaker. And anyway, so he That's was in the cool. movie. I got to meet him. And yeah. That was fascinating. Yeah. I just read about, like, for some reason, I looked up Joseph Losey, who was another oh, yeah. one that 
went to England. Big time. He's yeah. a big director, yeah, right? Yeah, film director. Yeah. Did a couple of interesting, really interesting movies. And Kirk Douglas, who just turned 100. Yeah. That's why it also came to mind recently. My, my husband was honored with that award. And Kirk Douglas spoke by video, uh, you know, congratulating my husband. But then it was, we were all talking about, yeah, with Spartacus, he was the one that really broke the blacklist by using the writer right yeah but talking about like you know fighting the power it's interesting because you know your husband did that um the uh what was the political movie reds no 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 oh bullworth bullworth yeah that's like one of the great underappreciated political satires i agree the fucking end of that movie oh my god it's crazy i know we watched it recently they did a screening in new york downtown and they were they wanted him to come and 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 uh you know be there for the screening which he was and then they had a conversation afterwards he didn't participate in the conversation we just listened to everyone talking about it it's very controversial but the ending wow i hadn't seen it in a while and it is it's a very still holds i think it actually does especially right now yeah like the it was it would i I remember because i'm like I never thought about the insurance industry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, you know, like, yes. it, like that was the like it taught me in a very visceral way, you know, how, you know, private industry holds the reins of politics That's and lobbies, right. you know, That's like right. like it was an educational experience for me because yes. I was not aware of you know that you know then when it comes right down to it, you might be taken out by the insurance industry. Exactly, which was what happened. Right? Yeah. No, it's very power. It's about money and politics, and basically how that once you have a campaign finance system like we have, yeah, then we are all corrupted. Yeah, and there is no way to get around it. Right. The 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 government, except maybe to be a reality television star. Sure. Then you can get around everything. Yeah. Apparently. You can just you know rise right to the top, wedge your way in. <laughs> okay. So Kirk Douglas, you work with Mike Douglas, Michael Douglas, yes. and the American President, which I like that movie. Thank you. And he's like I like him too. Yeah. Do you like him? Yeah. Yeah. He's like a good actor. He's a good actor. He's always he's surprising to super me. Super professional. Rob Reiner directed that. I know. I listened to him. Rob's. I know. I listened to Rob's show. You guys were hilarious together. Well, he's just so funny because oh, it's like he's, he's he's like doesn't he doesn't give like he he's so in him in himself. Yeah, that's you know, right. You know what he's I mean? He's in himself. Yeah. And he was from the time that he was that we all knew him on All in the Family, right? Right. Yeah. He's that guy. No, we were when we were shooting, in fact. The thing I remember most about that was the OJ trial was going on at the time we were shooting the film. Mm-hmm. So Rob had a monitor like in the next room over where when they were setting up and getting ready, he'd go and watch the trial. Oh, really? And then he would update us and also give editorial <laughs> comment on the day's proceedings. Uh, no, he's a great friend. Yeah. I, I have enormous admiration and love for him. He's love a, that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's, there's something like those people when you're like our age in a way that you feel like you grew up with somehow, that they were there yeah. on television. You know, like he's just one of those guys somehow or another. You like, know him. I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know him. Yeah. And well, in American Beauty, which is a movie I watch over, I've watched over and over again, like there's something interesting about you in, in, the, in your career that somehow or another, as you got older, your courage to become more vulnerable you know, became sort of upfront. Is that possible? Oh, thank you. That's a great compliment. I I hope so. Because, like, I remember in American Beauty that there, like, there you'd done something I'd not seen 
uh, an actress do, which, which was, you know, take that part and and really, you know, the depth of it was was so profound and also the the weird angry desperation and vulnerability of of being in that life. Yeah, it's heavy and it's funny at the same right, time. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's good writing. Yeah. It's really good writing. So when the writing's that good, you just try to play the truth of the moment. And I know that that movie hits some people. And I, in fact, I went, I haven't seen it in a long time, but when it was, we were screening it originally and we would be in audiences, sometimes a certain moment would come up and everyone would be laughing. And then the next screening, no one, everyone would be silent at the same moment. So it's one of those movies, it's, it teeters on the edge of both all the time, and depending also, on your mood. Or, or, or depending on how close to home it hits. Exactly. Like, you know, I'd imagine if you're dealing with, a, you know, a, a kind of like entering middle age audience of people who are living a quiet life of, of desperation and yeah. and uh, just doing what they think they should do. Yeah. It's got to be like, oh, it's a little, a little too close. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. And the, and, and the secrets and the pain underneath people's lives is dramatized so beautifully in that. That's the one thing the camera can do that's really powerful is show private moments in, in our lives yeah. in a way that, you know. Yeah, and that and the way he shot that, Mendez, like he, like it reminded me of a Mike Nichols movie, of an early Mike Nichols movie. Like he had a sense of, of, of framing that was, you know, like carnal knowledge or, or uh, did he do Who Was Afraid of Virginia Woolf? That there was just yes, something- he did. He's a, I, I think he is a theatrical director, isn't he? Didn't he come from that theater? Was, yeah, he was a boy wonder in the London theater. Right. That was that his makes first sense. movie. Yeah. And he hired one of the most senior veteran cinematographers who has now passed away named Conrad Hall mm-hmm. to shoot it. Mm-hmm. So that was also part, that's also part of Sam Mendes's talent and uh, abilities is that he knows who to bring in. Right. So Connie, who was this wonderful, like, sort of gremlin Buddha, wise, philosophical, sweet, sweet person. I had done another movie with him, so all that feeling and all of that, the 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 feeling in the movie, Connie really had. So there's a lot of times when he's making it very dark in a way and then there are other times it's quite bright so he a lot of it is that and Sam was very wise to hire this you know this older vet to mm-hmm. work with as a first time director a lot of first time directors wouldn't have that courage right to have someone who's so knowledgeable That's I would think that would be like the, the first thing you would do well, no I would think like yeah. you know, it's like no, I'm going to get a, a guy that really knows how to do this sometimes you can't get them too if you're first timer but sure. because the script was so good that helped because everyone read it and was like wow this script is very special yeah so when did you meet Warren Beatty I met him because he was making a movie called Bugsy. I remember that movie. Yep. And Barry Levinson was directing it. I had met Barry and had like a drink with Barry. Um, And then, so then I went to meet Warren. And that was that? Well, kind of. Pretty close, but not exactly. Yeah. But it was, was, there was definitely uh, a spark. Yeah. I I, I can't get it. I have no sense of what he's like. (laughs) He's you know, like, very charming. He's very intelligent. Yeah. And that's, I, I remember thinking that he was incredibly intelligent. That's very attractive. Intelligence is very attractive. But also a notorious ladies' man. Yeah. From way back. Yeah. And you were like, fuck it. 
Okay. Well, I didn't at the beginning too. Yeah. I was just actually I was really wasn't thinking about it on a personal level. Uh-huh. I was thinking more like, you know, what would I get the job? Right. And then also just uh, like how that would work professionally. Yeah. So, yeah, it didn't really. I mean, I had you know I and knew it, that about him, but and it worked out. You know. 25 years of Four marriage kids later? in March. 25 years. Really? We've been married. That's wild. That's crazy. That's good. It's like it your is. parents. It's all, exactly. We're <laughs> you... on our way, except not near, not nearly close enough. And you, But you were married before, too? Yes. And yeah, so you had one trial? Try... <laughs> I did. And I, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. So I wasn't in a situation where I was married to him. It wasn't, be- right, we didn't break right. up because he was a bad person. Uh-huh. I was a bad person. We yeah. just broke up because we broke up. And it was okay. Yeah, we're still friends. Oh, that's great. And he's got a beautiful family and amazing wife. And yeah, he's- and you have all these kids. I have so many kids. It's crazy. Did you always want that? Always. From when I was a little girl. Like, that's weird, right? But I was little. I was probably eight or nine when I decided I wanted to have children. <laughs> I wanted my mom to have more kids because I was the youngest. Uh-huh. And she's like, that's not going to happen. I'm not having any more. <laughs> this is so it. I, I, that, there was something about that connection. I remember playing with the little kids next door. Yeah. There was a toddler who lived next door. I remember wanting to go and hang out with this kid and play with him. And So, yeah, I always wanted to have a big family. Yeah. And uh, has that been... Like, cause like, I can't, like, like we started at the beginning about talking about the mother you played in, in this movie and in mothers and other movies, but like, do, are you, because like there, you know, it, it, it's, people know that you have a trans kid mm-hmm. and I have to assume like, cause I don't even know how to talk about it, mm-hmm. that, that, that is a very contemporary and very, um, challenging thing to move through. Absolutely, and and incredibly enlightening. I, I uh, we all learned a huge amount, yeah. and it's actually much more kind of in the public discourse now than mm-hmm. when my kid first came out. So um, no, it's been uh, you know it, it all of parenting is like this. It's just one door after another opens into experiences you never imagined, things that you learn about. I mean, I'm just I'm I at in fact at this point. It's there's no more us teaching them anything. It's all about them teaching us everything. Right. And uh, it's it's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful part of being a parent. And how old's the youngest? The youngest is 16. So there's right, so 16, yeah. 19, almost 20, 22, 24, almost 25. And when, you know, I just, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to have, because like in the new movie, you have uh, this character, this mother who who is also learning yeah. as she goes along. Right. And I, I just have to, because like, you know, I, and you're fortunate that you didn't grow up with any sort of repression or, or any sort of, you know, having to fight for who you are. But I, I mean, what what experiences do you have, like, you know, publicly in, in you know, having to, to be the parent to someone taking those kind of chances and, and, and to be who they are? I mean, have you had to uh, defend him and you know i um i f- his name's steven yeah 
And um, privacy has always been a kind of sane making way of proceeding in life Mm -hmm. for me, even from before I knew my husband. I mean, kind of when I first started, I remember when I first did a film and they first said to me, do you want to be on the Johnny Carson show? Right. Which I was like, oh my God, how can I do that? Right. You know, I don't know how to do that. I'm nervous. That makes me scared, which I then avoided doing. But um, so putting yourself out there publicly has always, I've always been a bit um, leery about it, which I think in a certain way is a good thing. Sure. So I think, especially now when we are so pup, there's so much. Can't avoid it. Blah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, yeah. So I I think guarding privacy has been a big part of being able to just sort of stay sane and show have business, a have a life. So I do that for my children. And I feel like now that my kids, especially now that they're young adults, mm-hmm. they have a right to do or say about themselves what they want. Right. And I respect that. Sure. I also have enormous respect for them and how mm. they handle themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, I just sort of defer to them oh, in yeah, terms yeah. of how they want to present themselves right. or if they want to at all. Right. Yeah, well, that's I, I, and it's I like you said, it's harder to do exactly, and that <laughs> yeah. you know, it's one of the good things about being older right now because yeah. I feel like I'm able to do that. I don't have any pressure on social media. I yeah. don't, I don't do that stuff. Sure, but I know for younger people, younger yeah. actors and actresses, there's such a pressure to be on social media, post pictures of yourself, post Ugh, on Twitter, yeah. post on whatever, post on everything, keeping people update. I'm sure you're doing it. You I know, know, it's exhausting, and yeah, I, 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 want, I, I want out. I know, <laughs> I know other people that 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 say the same thing. Grown people. Wait, didn't you stop your Twitter I did account? on my phone. Okay. I took it off my phone. Okay, I heard your so podcast. So I can be in the life. I heard you say that on the air. Okay, I so I know you did that. But I'm still on it on my, I can You're put it on my computer. No, I can do it on my computer. Oh, I see. So like, I'll take time, I'll sit, I have to sit down. So like, what what I've gotten rid of is the constant checking. I see. Yes. Like when it's on your phone, it's like you're you're talking like, and then you find yourself just doing that. Oh yeah. Scrolling through shit. Oh yeah. So I don't do that anymore. I'll try to you know limit the time because I'll flurry. You know I'll start doing it. You know I don't even know what for. Uh, I think that the kids now, the younger generation who's growing up right now, they're going to be the ones that really teach us about how not to and when it's important to be on and when it's not, how to be judicious about using it and how it can make you crazy and how it can make you. Well, yeah, if you didn't grow up with it, like, you know, I'm, I have pro- problems with boundaries. So the emotional kind of engagement and the, the, the sort of adulation and hate and the wanting the response and all that stuff, you okay. know, when you just sort of lock in with your whole being into that thing, it's exhausting. I think oh it causes God. mental problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard enough. I'm not even on that stuff and Whoa. I have that those issues with being in the public eye. So, you know, I can only imagine it would just get fed and, you know, you, oh, it's, it just, it's sort worst. of the lowest part of yourself, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, a, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's the lowest part of everybody's Exactly. You know, occasionally there's good things that happen out there, but for the most part, you know, given what's happening culturally, we're seeing that it's like, it's not a great thing, really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I think the other stuff that like that I'm 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 impressed with and it's like I I notice and, and obviously I'm not the only one to say this, but it's it's hard for women in show business to find their way and keep working as an actress mm. i mean like and you have somehow you know managed to to find work in in projects that explore the depth of 
who you are now and continue to take risks in that zone, but it is, it's not easy, right? Yeah, I think being able to stop is a great uh, gift. So I've been able to stop because I've been able to afford to stop whenever I kind of wanted to take a break. And that was also great yeah. about having kids, is yeah. getting away from it, yeah. going back, yeah. getting away, going back. Right. Also, I haven't gone back to New York and done plays, but I've done plays in LA. Uh-huh. And that has also been very uh, empowering and freeing that I don't feel uh, that I've, you know, yeah. So, and when I've wanted to do stuff, stuff's been around. So that's lucky. That's just lucky. And there have been projects that I've done that maybe have a lot of people haven't seen or haven't, you know. Well, that happens a lot now. You know, like they could be you know, great, and, and they're the, great. Yeah. And, and the process. I mean, as you know now, because you've been doing it, the process of making something. <sighs> is your process. Yeah. And that's your joy or your experience, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You can make that what you want it right. to be. You can I mean in my case I'm 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 not the director, so I can't control what happens or producing or, the or producer, any of that. The distributor. But but the part of it that's mine I can I can really relish. But you want to see it. I do see it and I and 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 the end result of things is very important as well. Yeah. However, the process of doing it, that's right. the only part that you get to kind of have as your own. Yes. Yeah, and so that appreciate I love, it. right? And and so I've been able to do a number of things over the years, and you know, kind of juggle it with my family and stay, being at home and all that stuff. Like when I was looking around, I saw there was a movie I didn't see or know about that you did uh, that you did Robin Williams' last movie. Oh yeah, what? Face of Love. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. Yeah, it's really good. It's with Ed Harris, if I may modestly say, it's really good. And Ed He's... Harris, oh my God, I completely, I will admit it got a huge crush on him but i his i know his wife so it's okay <laughs> and my husband knew yeah. no ed is a genius he ah god he's i written. loved working we got on very well you know we're playing this like you know romantic couple and i remember we we're shooting we were in culver city and we had to do a scene where we're making out in a car yeah and I, we had to shoot all night and it was we only were doing you know how this happens we're doing that scene just as the sun's coming up. So people are starting to get up, go to work, walk on the street, and Ed and I are in this car making out. I for mean, hours. How, it didn't actually, we didn't have enough time to shoot for hours. The right. sun was coming up. It's right. supposed to be night. Oh, right. Anyway, but uh, so he was um, really inspiring to me. I learned a lot just watching him. Uh, it's, and I'm very proud of the movie. He's um, a great actor, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is a great actor. I got to watch the movie. And what did Robin do? He was like the comedic Robin friend. Robin was my neighbor. I mean, what? Oh, my God. He was so great. I knew him, but I didn't know him well. But I've, I've been around him over the years. Yeah. Been witness to famous moments that Robin... One of my favorites was at the Golden Globes one year, yeah. Christine Lottie won, and she was in the ladies' room. So they announced her name. They said, and for best actress, Chris Lottie. She's not there. She's in the ladies' room. So they're running to get her in the ladies' room. Robin, who's just in the audience, jumps up on the stage, starts <laughs> improvising. She, in with great grace, comes on the stage. She's got a towel. She's yeah. wiping her hands. He takes the towel, goes and sits down. Yeah. I mean, what a moment. And he was so lovely on that movie and yeah. so lovely to me and to the crew. He, he is one of those guys... As you know, not all comedians are like this, and that's fine. He was just one of those guys. He did make everybody laugh. So wow. in between, and I have, a, in fact, one of my favorite pictures is him standing and with all the camera crew around him. They're all doubled over in laughter, and he's just 
like doing you know, it. doing his thing. Uh, what a man! And yeah. I met his wife Susan at that time, and yeah. and I had, I had known his family too. I'd known him years ago as well. His yeah. other family. It's he was a sweet guy. Uh, it's so funny when you hear about these Golden Globe stories. Like there was like, <laughs> like it used to be a real like. I remember Jack Nicholson talking about it somewhere, just about how like you know. Back in the day, they would go in the seventies, and everybody was just fucked up, and it was people just people are pretty fucked up now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he said like Glenn Ford would be up there <laughs> hosting, and what, who was his wife, Lana Turner, one of them. What I can't remember Rita, that that she would be shit faced. Like, like it was just like this that arc which your husband kind of was part yeah. of of old Hollywood and new Hollywood, the changing of the guard in that like weird, crazy time of the seventies, like. It, it must have been just crazy. Yeah, and that was, I think, at a time, too, a lot of people didn't go because uh-huh. it wasn't considered like classy enough. It then. was just a fun, it weird thing. It was a thing, or you heard about it. Yeah. Oh, you won the Golden Globe, but you weren't there. Right, now it's a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I talked to, there's so few people I've talked to, like, oddly, Ed Begley was the one dude that kind of walked <laughs> me through the 70s. Yeah, because he was here. He knew everybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the best. Yeah, and it's just like he, like, talking to him about that time, because he wasn't really known, yeah. but, you know, his dad was in the business, oh, and yeah. he was a party guy. And just, Oh, and his life story he's amazing it's crazy yeah yeah he was great yeah do you do you ever hang out with those guys yeah yeah I, he's a dear friend of mine at yeah Bagley. i adore him and his wife and his i know his kids yeah i see his daughter at tree people park where she works oh she's one sweet. of his daughters she's yeah. awesome yeah but like nicholson do you guys hang out with nicholson mm-hmm. yeah. yeah how's yeah. he doing he's good oh good he's good, good. he's an amazing guy <laughs> still going to those laker games you know oh, good 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 yeah, yeah it's, well that must be a thrill to have that part of your life to be yeah kind and, of and dug he, into hollywood yeah yeah, and he and, and Warren are such good friends. They've, you know, been friends for so many years and are mutually supportive and kind of share an experience. Even though Warren, you know, they, they met and they knew each other. And yeah. I think Warren kind of said, hey, we should be friends, you know. And right. like, ah, they became friends. So, yeah. <laughs> How's his new movie? My husband? Yes. Beautiful. It's out, right? It's out. It's called Rules Don't Apply. And I am very biased. And I love the movie. And I think it's very beautiful and very funny. And he is amazing in it. Long time in the making, right? uh, Yeah. If you consider, like, I think he made his first deal to maybe do a Howard Hughes movie. I think it was in the 70s. Oh, my God. So he had been thinking about it a long time, thinking about the character, thinking about the man. Yeah. And always thought that there might be a story to put around him that would uh-huh. be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I got to go see it. Mm-hmm. It's and, good. And now, oh, one other thing. Your sister-in-law, Shirley MacLaine. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. That's uh, Is that exciting? <laughs> I'm just going to be a, a fan guy Yeah, now. no, she is the ultimate anti-mame for my children she's uh, no we love her they're they she's a incredible woman i i also admire her as an actress have you worked enormously i have not but i would love to we would get on great yeah we would get on great no and, and she's one of the greats let's face it and she is one of the great characters that's on the planet at this time yeah she will also return to the planet in other lifetimes forever forever yeah 
Um, as long as there's people, she'll be in, <laughs> in one of them. Yeah, no, she's amazing and we love her dearly. She's fun. Oh, completely. Yeah. Right. And and she's got that same intelligence that Warren has. They're both so smart and so engaged, love conversation, yeah, love yeah. politics, love to talk, love to ask questions. You know, she's oh. a very she's a very alive intelligence. So um this whole like you've been nominated many times. And uh I I think you should win. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, get on the phone. No, <laughs> that would be wrong. I can't imagine. I can't like when I watch the if I you know, when if and when I watch the Oscars, just that that horrible feeling of like waiting to. hear. I can't imagine that. Yeah, the, it's a it's a funny feeling. And then you got to be happy. You know, yeah, for them, like yeah, I, that's when you know it's always what I'm watching. It's like that yeah, moment. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, that moment because like, that's the human experience that's the most interesting. I, but I've never seen anyone go like, oh. Fuck. Actually, um, I think there was an actor many years ago who did like stand up and throw his hat on the ground and say shit when he really? lost. Um, uh, so, yeah, you see little glimmers of that. I remember the first time I was nominated, I was nominated in the supporting actress category with a bunch of amazing women. And at For that, which movie? Uh, the Grifters. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the uh, other actresses, and we all got together before the show was on the air because in those days, actually, they didn't turn the cameras on, so everyone's talking and chatting. And right. So we all Again, get together in a, in a little group, and we're like, okay, whoever wins next week takes all of us out to dinner, and they pay. Yeah. So Whoopi Goldberg won. Yeah. The next, uh, just like a day or two later, I got a big bouquet of flowers with a card. It said, Meet at the such and such a restaurant at such and such a time. Yeah, we show up. We're all one of us couldn't be there, but we were all there together. Whoopi brings out gardenias for each of us on a tray, and chocolate Oscars. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And we all had dinner, and it was the most. Who else was there? Beautiful. Do you remember? Uh, Lorraine Bracco, Diane Ladd, Mary McDonald. Oh, Mary McDonald. Me, Whoopi, um, Lorraine couldn't come to the couldn't yeah. come to the dinner, but yeah. Mary was there, Diane Ladd was there, me and Whoopi. Uh, it was amazing. That's sweet. It was. It was yeah. like one of those moments of wow. Well, that's so nice because that was like again, it relates to the kind of never ending appetite of the media uh, that you, you know everything that happens before. And everything, like everybody just, you had a privacy moment. You had a we private had a moment. private moment. Just and it you was and the so, other actresses. Exactly. It was so meaningful. My parents were with me at the awards show. And I remember it never occurred to me. I didn't even think about it until the very last minute. Oh, they could actually call my name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then they yeah. didn't. And it was really quick. It was like, uh, no, they didn't. Ah. <sighs> and also that's just like one of the first awards of the night. So yeah. then it was over really quickly. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, that, ah, who cares? I'm still here. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? And it must be exciting to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Nicholson there in the last couple of years. It, it makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, I think most people only go if they're nominated. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because he used to just sit right up front, you know, yeah. with his glasses on. And I'm sure. like, Where, where's Jack? I don't know. Maybe it's, I guess, it, you know, time goes on, you know? You know, what are you going to do? At a certain point, you're like, nah, man, I'm just going to. Sit that one out. Yeah. 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 But it's a fun night, huh? Yeah, it is. It's, um, I mean, now it's kind of overwhelming to tell you the truth. The amount yeah. of attention there is, the amount of media, the amount of cameras around, the amount of, you know, there's sort of never a, a, a moment where you kind of have a little breather. It's, it's weird that like there was a time like a decade ago where there weren't screeners. 
Yeah. Do you know, like you had to go see the movie? Like I just, it's, I don't know. I, I, there's no space. Mm-hmm. I mean, you like what you're talking about with privacy and other, like to find your space mm-hmm. is a real challenge. Uh-huh. To find a moment where you can just take a breath. So you, I guess you learn to do it on camera because you're on camera the entire time. So yeah. you learn how to kind of just take those deep breaths um, while you're sitting there. It was great talking to you. Thank you. I hope you had a nice time. I had a great time. Okay. And, and I, best of luck with, if it matters... With the awards. Thank you. But I know you're, doesn't matter, right? Well, it's nice to be. I was kidding. It's nice to be involved. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It's nice to be asked. You do great work. Thank you. Charming. Very um, exciting to uh, sit across from her. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I, uh, you can go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. The Carnegie posters will sell out. They're a single run item. There are prints. I'll sign them for you. You can get them. There's a bunch of other posters there too and t-shirts and things. And uh, I want you to, what day? What day is it? 19th? So I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you guys. I'll talk to all of you before the holidays. Got Derek Trucks on Thursday. That was great. Much more than I uh uh, I could even hope for talking to him. And uh, what else? I know you want me to play guitar, don't you? You do, right? You do. This is a Telecaster. Semi-hollow. I guess that'd be a Telecaster Deluxe, but not with the humbuckers. Going straight into an overdriven Fender Champ. Pretty dirty. Pretty dirty. Boomer lives.